Hi, I'm Valerie, and you're listening to The Beauty Brains. Welcome to The Beauty Brains, a show where real cosmetic chemists answer your beauty product questions and give you an insider's look at the cosmetics industry. This is episode 343. I'm your host, Valerie George, and with me today is Perry Romanowski. Hi, Perry. Hello, Valerie. Great to see you again. Welcome back to the United States. Ah, yes. I was gone for like a month. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you're back because I was so scared to do a solo episode. And on today's show, together, we're going to answer questions about when should you buy a more cleansing shampoo? What are ingredients you recommend in a heat protecting product? Can you replace shampoo with apple cider vinegar? Is there any science behind the advice to squish when you can dish? And what makes VO5 hot oil work? But first, our chit-chat. Valerie, I saw that you were on some sort of uh, hair panel yesterday. uh, You were doing like a webinar. You being the guru of hair color of everybody in the United States. You're like one of the hair color experts, you know, state-renowned. Maybe world-renowned, I don't know. So how how did that go? You know, it went really well. It was pre-recorded. So, you know, it wasn't live uh, and I didn't get a Q&A because my presentation was too long, but uh, that's okay. I heard a lot of great feedback. People loved the event overall. Great colleagues in the industry were other presenters on different topics. So I would say the event was a success. Yeah. Well, we'll provide a link, I think, to patrons anyway, uh, so they can see uh, your, uh, your presentation. Yeah. You know, Perry, uh, you uh, really let the cat out of the bag with last week's Best of Beauty Brains episode. Oh, that's right. Last week, since we were both not connecting, <laughs> I was like seven hours in the future, 10 hours. It was hard, hard to connect. I was three hours in the future, but six hours behind you. Right. Uh, so anyway, I put up a Best of, which are always good. And uh I did a little intro to that, and that's when I had mentioned something that I guess you hadn't mentioned to everyone else you knew. (laughs) I'm moving to Texas. Ah, This beauty brain is leaving L.A. In fact, Mr. Cosmetic Chemist has already put on his cowboy hat and called Texas home with my boys, Butch and Frank, and those are dogs. And uh, I am looking forward to moving to be with him one day. Now, was it because of the hurricane you guys just had there in California? (laughs) The hurricane earthquake, you mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And uh, fires, it all all just kind of got to you. No, that stuff is uh, par for the course. You know, it really had to do with uh, the cost of living and the insane crime and the homelessness. And just, you know, it's a real uh, stick in the mud to be in L.A. right now. And so Mr. Cosmetic Chemist is out. He's there. Uh, but also we have a new business venture that we're working on together. So my lab is moving to Texas, but we have some other stuff that we're building as well. Oh, well, very cool. Well, not cool because it's really hot in Texas, but it gets cooler I, in the winter. So <laughs> I discovered that uh, we actually uh, bought a house sight unseen Oh. We had never even uh, been to the area where the house is. So now we have just, been. Did you just like order it off the internet or something? <laughs> we had a, a great real estate agent uh, who did FaceTime with us, but 
you know, with my travel schedule, it just wasn't possible for us to get out there. And the real estate market is so hot. Um, we had to go for it. Wow. Wow. Did it, did it come with a pool? I have a, I bought a pool for Butch, like oh, a little okay. doggy pool. So maybe I could go in that with him. Yeah. <laughs> possible. Well, I'm excited. If anyone has any recommendations in the Dallas-Fort Worth anywhere for anything, we're totally open to them because that's where we're headed. And I'm still in L.A. I actually haven't been able to move yet. My lab is still there, and we're working on moving that commercial space. So I better be in Texas by November 30th because that's when the lease on my current space ends, and I have to be out. So hopefully soon. That'll be a, that'll be a fun move for you, right? Yeah, for now, I'm just staying in a tiny home in ah, L.A. Oh. <laughs> it's very tiny. If you fall, you fall into something. And so if you bruise easily like I do, uh, you're just a really big, bloody wreck. Well, I, I, I wish you well with the move. Thanks. Uh, but you, we have not been able to connect because you have been basically in Spain for the last month. Spain and Portugal, actually. I was okay. in. Uh, I, I started out in Barcelona at the end of August, and then was went to Barcelona and Valencia and Madrid, and then I went to Portugal and Porto and Lisbon, and that was part of the IFSCC Congress. I'm on the Presidium board there, and uh, yeah, we organize a big cosmetic industry event every year around the world, and this year it was in Spain. So, yeah, that was exhausting. You know, it's exhausting just being in hotel rooms for like 30 days in a row. You know, yeah. you you eat out all the time. Yep. I'm living that right now in the tiny home. It's And they don't have like uh, regular television stations. So unless you understand the different language, uh, you know, it's hard to get into a routine. And you know what else? I kind of worried about the Portuguese. I How thought, you know, they, they might be, I thought they might some like disappear or something, but it turns out I got back, they were all here and uh, back to their Portuguese ways. So, and who took care of them? Uh, my neighbors, I had give them, I gave them a big bag of food and asked them to at least put some out. And uh, so, yeah, I guess that. And they were like, so wait, are these your cats? And you were like, no, there are cats. There are neighborhood cats. And I bought this food for them and they were like, hmm. Well, my neighbors do also feed them, so I just gave them extra, so you know they feed them a little extra because I I feed them more than they do. So all the Portuguese are good. Spain was wonderful. Portugal was wonderful. Great, great food in both of the places. Uh, sometimes wine and beer was less expensive than a soda pop. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. so I ate too much. I drank too much. Yeah. Although I did get my daily run. You're looking very sun-kissed. I, I am. Uh, I did get some fun sun. And I did find out in, in Spain, just in a regular, uh, on a regular beaches, uh, people still think it's, uh, it can be topless. So, so they have a That's whole. That's cool. They, yeah, they have a whole different uh, view of nudity. In Spain and and mostly in Spain and a little bit in Portugal, so was yeah. it's different than our American sensibilities. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Well, we have missed out on quite a bit of beauty science news, so let's head over there. All right, what do we got? Uh, I did see one of the celebrity brands. This guy Jared Leadup. He yeah. uh, 
it seems like he got tired of the beauty business and he's getting out. Only after one year. So Jared had a brand called 29 Palms. And it turns out it was only one palm because he has pulled the plug on his lifestyle brand, alleging breach of contract and mismanagement. Mm -hmm. He terminated his relationship with the brand's parent company uh, to what he believes uh, mismanagement by the brand operators. So in fact, it sounds like Jared did not start the skincare line himself or the lifestyle brand, but rather this other company did. And he is just saying, I don't want to do it anymore. Well, I guess that means not enough people are buying it, right? Well, it was kind of expensive. Uh, a serum for 69 bucks, an eye cream for 97 a cleanser for 39 which is, uh, you know, kind of top of the line to purchase. Uh, sounds like, yeah, I guess people weren't buying it. And at the end of the day, if you're going to charge that kind of money for products, you have to have some skin in the game no no pun uh-huh. intended right well, you have wait. to be some kind of expert right well you need something apparently well i was wondering who it was targeted to but it looks like it was they went with the gender neutral uh audience so i don't know i think it's i think it's still going to be a challenge to get any guy to spend like a lot of money on skincare Yeah. And, you know, the name 29 Palms is actually a community way out in the desert. So I kind of understand uh, what they say when they say they're a lifestyle brand. Desert tumbleweed cleansing shampoo, desert tumbleweed softening conditioner, Badland Walt shower kit, all that kind of stuff. Which, by the way, those products were coming soon. Now they're not uh, coming at all, I guess. Uh, But, yeah, it feels a little nebulous. The packaging seemed... Uh, very generic, if I if I do have to say. It uh, just didn't seem to have any kind of solid story. And now the story is, we're donezo. <laughs> well, I think you'll ex- we can expect to see this with a lot of these celebrity brands. Uh, although, I'm surprised that they he made a big deal out of it ending. Usually, you just think it would just disappear. Like, I think that, uh, was that a girl from Veronica Mars and The Good Place? Uh, Kirsten Bell. Bell, yes, Bell. Anyway, she had uh, a Kristen brand Bell. called Kristen Bell. That's it. Yeah, but she had a brand called like Happy Place or something. But it had that close CBD. Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. too. So, you know, it's you know, there's a lot of brands out there. There's like every year, there's about seven thousand beauty brands, and it's got to be tough to get yours to stand out. Now, you know how every New Year's we do a list of the celebrities that we think are going to launch a beauty brand next? Yeah. And how I got Pete Davidson. Like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Should we do one where we're going to tell you the next beauty brand to fold? That's a celebrity brand? I I think, yeah. I think at the end of the year, we will do prediction of who's going to fold. That could be fun. that could just make it, you know, we're so we're so influential. It could kill the brand. So maybe that would be neat. It would. It might be doing some a favor. <laughs> or that, yes. <laughs> well, I saw something and I completely thought of you because oh, yeah. we have talked about this before. And I'm going to give you a minute to go get your soapbox so you can get it out, climb up on it. The State of Change is a perfume brand and they want to be transparent about its perfume ingredients and wants the fragrance industry to be too. 
Uh, you mean like the uh, International Fragrance Association, IFRA, like what they do? No, no, no. Uh, the founder of this brand believes that the industry for too long has relied on legal trade secrets to protect uh, fragrance formulas. And she said, you know what? Uh, that should no longer be. The fragrance industry needs transparency. And she has created a line where basically everything in the perfume is disclosed. It's completely transparent. They list out every ingredient. So she's not using any hazy ingredients then. They're all transparent. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it took me a second for that. (laughs) And it just got me thinking to you. So, okay, great. They put every single fragrance ingredient on the bottle. What happens next? Yeah. How does that help anybody? Like, and how long are these ingredient lists, right? Because uh, to to make a fragrance can take like fifty to a hundred ingredients, and so mm-hmm. they're gonna list all of these ingredients on the label. And how does how does that help the consumer? I, I'm I'm confused because if if you found out that there was I don't know linolenic acid in your product does that say anything to you as most consumers i always used to get the question as a hair color chemist what percentage of ammonia is in this color and this would be salon professionals asking me and i would always say well if i told you 0.2 percent or one percent what would you do with that information and how would it help you and they would never have a response because they have no context for a use level of something right and i just don't know how this type of transparency will be beneficial to anyone. Yeah, this this makes very little sense to me. I don't think it's going to help consumers. It seems like a, a marketing gimmick where they're trying to disparage other brands for using the word fragrance. I understand fragrance is, they, they do it a trade secret because essentially fragrance is a big driver for why people purchase products. And if you had to list every ingredient in your fragrance, it would be a pretty easy task to just copy someone else's fragrance. It's already a pretty easy task, but it's hard to get it exactly right. But if you knew all the ingredients, it would be a lot easier to get it exactly right. So so then you're just copying everybody. Everyone's copying each other, and they're just going to pick the fragrance that everyone likes. And so how does this help the consumers at all? I don't don't think it does. It's just... uh, you know, it's this seems like fear marketing to me. Definitely is. But, you know, state of change, you go ahead and knock yourselves out. And, but in fact, the big companies are already kind of doing this. Now they're Procter not putting Gamble it, is. Yeah. Yeah. And Unilever is too. They're not putting it on their labels, but they're, they got the smart label and you go to the website and see their ingredients. How has that helped anybody? I, I, I don't think it does, but there's certainly... <laughs> They're certainly not basing their entire existence on the fact that they're listing all the ingredients. I don't I don't know how that's a benefit to consumers. It's not helped me and I'm in the industry. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, speaking of helping people, let's head over to beauty questions. Our first question comes from Renata. She says, Hi Valerie and Harry. Hope you're well. I've been debating with myself lately about what shampoo I should get. My hair is curly and very dry. 
I prefer shampoos with conditioning agents and oils, but I worried my hair might get some buildup over time. Should I worry about buildup and buy a more cleansing shampoo without so many silicones and oils? Thank you in advance. Well, if Perry were to answer this, he probably would say he gets by just fine with using a shampoo as a shampoo, a body wash, a toothpaste, a laundry detergent. Shampoo is my go-to product if I'm stranded on an island and I can only have one cosmetic or one person to care for. And you're not wrong. I I actually was recently in a hotel and I couldn't get down to the desk that night to get my complimentary toothpaste. So I said, well, I'll wash my uh, teeth using the hand soap that's in here because it was all I had. And, you know, technically it did the job, right? But should I have done that? Absolutely not. Anyway, I would say, Renata, you probably need a cleansing shampoo just to have in your arsenal. I wouldn't replace your moisturizing or conditioning shampoo with it, but I think it's nice to have a shampoo that over time can help remove that buildup because when you're uh, using a shampoo that's pretty rich, uh, it's not as cleansing. And so maybe it's not depositing as much, but you're certainly not uh, rinsing as much or cleansing as much. And so having this clarifying shampoo, we'll call it, can be really helpful where it's not uh, depositing anything back onto the hair. So my advice would be to have something in the arsenal, use it maybe twice a week if you wash your hair four times a week, because silicones and oils can build up on the hair fiber. Yeah, and I think it really depends on what you like and how you like your hair to feel. Sometimes, I I think there's a limit to how much stuff will build up. It's not like it's going to form this gigantic crusty layer if you never use a, uh, a cleansing shampoo. I'm going to show you uh, pictures of a scalp, Perry. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I've seen stuff you can't unsee. You mean That's of the scalp. I'm talking about on the hair, right? Okay, okay. And so it's still always the eat small layer. So Parmesan cheese will never be the same again. <laughs> that sounds like a dandruff issue or something, but I suppose it could be a buildup product, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I mean, it's good to do a clarified shampoo every so often, I suppose. Some people like that, but I don't think it's a requirement. Yeah, it's like, you know, it'd be nice versus like have to. You know, it's not a requirement, but in the first world, it's kind of something nice to have. There are some people in the world who don't even wash their hair at all. So, you know, there's a, there's a wide range of what people find acceptable. <laughs> well, let's head over to our second question, who comes to us from a patron. This one comes to us from Lorena. He says... And thank you for being a patron. If you want to help support the show and keep it ad-free, go to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe at any level. And you know, as Lorena points out, uh, there's transcripts on the the feed for patrons. So that's a a special extra thing you get. All right. Here it is. Uh, Lorena says, I first want to thank you for the transcripts for patrons. I love reading them since I listen when I commute and sometimes miss things. My question is kind of a follow-up to heat protectors. I have fine wavy hair and use the Dyson Airwrap to style twice a week. I have tried, I think, all the wrong leave-ins and heat protectors because my hair looks either frizzy or limp. I noticed for sure with coconut oil-based products and some oily texture products, can you recommend the right ingredients to look for in a heat protectant 
maybe a brand and which to stay away from in general for the hair type. Thank you. I know we've covered heat protectants before. We have. And as an aside, I recently got to test the Dyson Airwrap officially. I've tested it before in my previous life working at a large salon brand, but I got to test it as a judge for the Allure Best in Beauty Awards. That was one of the products I got. You know, it's a great tool. It really is revolutionary. Uh, You know, if you work with hot tools a lot or have worked with manufacturing facilities, you know, there's a lot. A lot of the same stuff going on, same technology. And what's cool about the Dyson Airwrap is you really can tell that there's been a lot of R&D investment and other stuff going on with it. So that's pretty cool. But, you know, while we have covered heat protectants before, I think this aspect is interesting because Lorena has fine wavy hair and she's noticing that hair looks limp and probably frizzy. And so I'm going to guess that the products she's using are not the right products for her hair. They're probably saturating the hair fiber and are weighing it down. Yeah, it says uh, she uses a coconut oil-based products. Um, And coconut oil is one of those oils that is able to penetrate the hair a bit. And I think that could also add to the weighing down piece. Exactly. Coconut oil is a what we call a low-chain triglyceride, and it's usually C8, C10, C12. So it has a very small carbon triglyceride present. And if you find ingredients like caprylocapric triglyceride, this is based on coconut oil. It's called a medium-chain triglyceride uh, that also can penetrate the hair fiber and leave your hair looking and feeling way down for sure. Yeah, now the one thing you have to look for in heat protectors, I guess, is, you know, you want some sort of silicones, right? Exactly. And in this case, I would recommend as volatile of silicones as possible because your hair is fine and limp, Lorena. You want silicones that are going to attach to the hair fiber, but not attach so long that they're going to weigh it down. You want them to kind of go away into the atmosphere. And so if you're in the United States, you would look for something like cyclomethicone, cyclotetrasiloxane, or cyclopentasiloxane. Unfortunately, those have either gone away or are going to go away in the EU. So you would want to look for a product that's designed for fine hair that may contain a dimethicone. You can get some really heavy dimethicones, uh, but you can also get some really light volatile ones. And the only way you're going to know the difference in the formula is if it's advertised to be for fine or thinning hair. Yeah, generally, you're just going to see on the label, it'll say dimethicone, but there is a wide range of different kinds of dimethicones, but they all have the same name. So you can't really know just looking at the label, which one you're getting. And since you're also having the issue with the lack of heat protection and fine hair, you're probably you're going to want to look for the right product format as well. I generally like to recommend blow dry creams because I love the way that they coat the hair fiber. But if you have this fine hair, it might not be the right recommendation for you. So I probably would look for a type of spray that's not going to deposit a lot of emollients or conditioning agents on the hair and really just depositing some kind of heat protecting polymers or silicones. Yeah, and those usually are something like a guar you might find, a, you look for the word guar, hydroxypropyl trimonium guar, or something like that. 
uh, or polyquaternions. Uh, those are other polymers that you could look for. Polysilicone 29 has the benefit of being a quaternium and the benefit of being a silicone, and that also has some heat protecting benefits. Yeah. Uh, so overall, I mean, also, as long as you're regularly conditioning, uh, you're going to get some heat protection from your conditioner anyway. Yeah, I would. Yeah, that's true. But I, I would recommend really sticking towards those thermal protecting type sprays, maybe even like a flat iron spray, um, something that's aerosol based that definitely won't weigh the hair down. And they generally have either the polymers or the silicones um, present in them to help protect the hair. All right. Thank you so much for that question. Why? Look at that. Another hair question. Zarine says, I keep reading about how great apple cider vinegar is for removing product buildup, excess sebum, pollutants, and hard water residue from hair, but research on this seems thin. If this was true, couldn't it just replace shampoo? Well, that is a very good question. Why why don't you just replace shampoo with apple cider vinegar? Well, it smells. Right. I don't know if you've ever tried to use it in the shower. It smells terrible. It blooms very well. Although I imagine there are some people who like the smell of vinegar. I, I hear there are some people who like the smell of gasoline. So I don't, like, well, I like the smell of gasoline. <laughs> yeah. oh, um, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, vinegar has, has a kind of nice smell when it's on a little salad or a little horiatiki at a Greek restaurant. It, it smells great there. When it's in the shower and you're in this steamy, hot environment, it just doesn't smell good. Right. So there is the smell problem, but let's imagine that if there wasn't that smell problem, sample okay. cider vinegar is still going to be this great thing. Now, what's the plus? I guess to some people, the plus is that it's this natural treatment that anybody has in their like pantry that they can just use. Presumably, that's what less expensive than shampoo. Of course, it's not less expensive though, right? Because uh, like vinegar, apple cider vinegar is not less expensive than a 99 cent shampoo, is it? Like strawberries and cream right. suave. Oh, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or tresemme. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's not. Yeah. Okay. So taking the smell aspect aside, let's say I, I bring a bottle of apple cider vinegar in. Is it going to clean my hair or my scalp? And the answer is no, not really. Vinegar, which is acetic acid, does have some chelating properties. So it may be able to remove some minerals from the hair fiber. Maybe. I think it's a very weak association. Right. But when we think about how a shampoo works, it works because it has this water-loving head and an oil-loving tail on the shampoo molecules. And it sweeps up soil and dirt off of the scalp because it has this lipid-loving tail and this water-loving head. We call them surfactants. Yep, it can get rinsed away. Right. But vinegar doesn't have this property. Right. Vinegar is just water-soluble, and it'll rinse away with water. It'll not do anything to the sebum or the oil-soluble pollutants that might be on your hair. So it's not going to get rid of that stuff. Uh... Yeah, so it's just like rinsing your hair with water, essentially. Smelly water. Yeah. Now, the other question is, uh, you know, will it remove pollutants and hard water residue? I did address that a little bit with the chelating properties. Again, it 
it probably could, but I think it's very weak in that. And if it were actually really effective, I think more brands would be using it. Now, to play devil's advocate, Perry, I know a lot of people use apple cider vinegar as a conditioner, not as a shampoo, but as a conditioner because it has the low pH. Do you think it could replace a conditioner? I don't think it's going to help much in that regard either since there's no long conditioning piece of the molecule. There's the the cationic part, so maybe some of it can stick, but there's no long-chain carbon uh, oily part that's going to help create the coating and help smooth down the cuticle. So no, I don't think it's going to help there either. So bottom line, we don't think an apple cider vinegar rinse can replace a shampoo to uh, remove product buildup, sebum pollutants, hard water, and we don't think it could be a conditioner. And essentially that's why it hasn't replaced shampoo because it just doesn't work that well. Uh, Some people might swear by it, uh, but those people uh, don't mind having dirty hair. (laughs) 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 Oh, gosh. Well, Zareen, thanks for the question. It sure was a great one. Yeah, I will not be so taking much. apple cider vinegar in my shower anytime soon. <laughs> well, unless you want to make a salad in your, your in your shower. So <laughs> You know, some people do eat oranges in the shower and they say it's really refreshing. I heard that actually from one of my customers. Uh, their son heard it on TikTok and you take a tangerine or something like that in the shower and peel it open and it's a and then pretty you amazing eat, experience. Then you eat it while you're in the shower? I think you can. Mostly it's about smelling, but you know, eating is recommended. You know, I generally have this rule that I don't bring food or drink into a place where uh, going to the bathroom takes place. <laughs> I don't know. Are, are you going to the bathroom in your shower? Well, it's all in the same spot, isn't it? I mean, most <laughs> showers are in the water closet, as they say in Europe, right? Well, I think it's pretty harmless in your shower. Uh, I'm just saying it's my heuristic that I follow. You know, basically you don't eat where you shit. So (laughs) (laughs) you're going to cut that from the show. (laughs) I will beep that. (laughs) Oh my God. Where did this show turn? Question four, Julie. All right. Julie's an audio question. Let me call her up. Hi, beauty brains. It's Julie from London, England. I have a question about the curly girl method and the way that it tells you to apply conditioner, the squish to condition that it talks about. Is there any science that conditioner actually works better when applied like that? And if so, shouldn't all hair types be doing it? Thanks for all you do in trying to bring some science and rational thinking to the beauty industry. Love the show. Bye. Squish to condition. You know, it sounded better when Julie said it. Oh, <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> Squish to condition. It sounded so refined and elegant. I love it. I, You know, I haven't looked at the curly girl method in quite some time, but um, I do remember that when I did look into it, it um, uh, it struck me that it's, it, it comes off as like this whole system, but it's just totally made up. Well, there's not one one agreed upon method for the curly girl method. There has been so many deviations from it, maybe more deviations or splits than the the Christian church. Oh, uh, wow. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of different methods. People say things do work, they don't work. And, And really what it comes down to is that 
you know, at the end of the day, it's not based on science. It's based on anecdotal experience, which is real. I just had a conversation with a friend where we were talking about peer-reviewed literature versus real life. And so these methods have been developed uh, that people really say, hey, this works for me. And then someone else will say, hey, that didn't work for me. And they'll come up with a different method, right? And so I think that's the allure of the curly hair method. I think, I mean, to me, that's what makes it exciting is that something different works for everyone. Uh, but uh, this squish to condition is one that many people subscribe to. So I guess the notion is you take a big blob of conditioner, you yeah. plop it on your hair, and then you start squishing it? You Nope. You keep it in your hand, and you uh, turn your head upside down, uh-huh. and you you just move your hands up and down into your hair gotcha. to squish your curls okay. into your head. Okay. Uh, and your hair has to be super wet to do it. Oh. You just want to keep your hair really going wet and scrunching and scrunching and scrunching. Wow. That should be our... Or uh, squishing. I should say squishing. Right. That that little uh, video clip should be our, like an Instagram story. <laughs> scrunching mm-hmm. and scrunching. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the key to this method is to have super wet hair. And the premise is when you have a bunch of water and you have a bunch of conditioner and you squish the hair, it helps to hydrate the curls better than if you just coated the hair with the conditioner. Okay. That sounds a little suspect to me. A little sus, as the kids say. Are kids saying that? Uh, Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting because uh, with this type of product routine, you know, it's not clear to me if you would rinse the product from your hair or if this is a leave-in conditioner type action. Typically with a traditional conditioner, your hair is going to be wet. In the shower, you will coat the hair maybe leave it on for a minute or two, put a comb in it to uh, work the product all the way through the hair, and then you're going to rinse it out. With the squish to condition method, it's my understanding your hair is super wet, you have the conditioner, you scrunch your hair to help uh, further impress your curl pattern on the hair, Yeah, and that's it, you're done. Uh, I've not seen anywhere that you actually rinse the conditioner out of your hair. This is really just applying conditioner and adding as much water as possible. So is it a leave-in conditioner then? Or is it a regular conditioner that you don't rinse out? You know, I don't know if there... I've never seen anyone say, pick a leave-in conditioner Uh and do this. This is really taking a conditioner and repeating this process over and over where your head is upside down you put your hands to the tips of your hair and push it up towards your head and continue to get your hair wet again again and again and continue to swish uh, squish well i guess the question that came though to us is that is there any science to this application method and i would say no uh there is there's no specific science that people have done a study that says, oh, you're going to get better results with your curly hair if you squish to condition over just a, a regular application. 
I don't think that has been compared. And okay. I think that really is the question here. So is this method superior to traditional conditioning? And I would say if the goal is to actually apply quaternized materials to your hair and provide conditioning to your hair that way, I would say the rinse off method is probably pretty good. Yeah. For a couple of reasons. One, primarily safety. It's where my head goes first. When you have a conditioner, you have uh, quaternized ingredients that are highly studied for safety in a rinse-off scenario. Right. When the conditioner becomes a essentially a leave-on conditioner, you change the use levels of quaternized materials that you're allowed to use and leave on safely on the scalp. Yeah. In fact, there are some ingredients like citronium chloride, for example, that has a limit to the amount that you can use as a leave-in ingredient because it could be irritating to scalp, but there isn't that same limit uh, on a rinse-off product. So No, it's substantially more. Right. So if you're leaving out a product that is meant to be rinsed off, that could be a safety issue. Correct. Now, if you were taking a leave-in conditioner and doing this method... I would totally agree with it. I'll tell you why. Okay. One, I think when, I don't like leave-in conditioners because they tend to make the hair, and by the way, I have extremely wavy hair naturally. I I usually put it in a bun so you can never tell. But, uh, you know, I think when you put a leave-in conditioner on hair, the hair can tend to look greasy. It can tend to look really saturated and overall weighed down. When you use this squish-to-condition method, your hair is very wet. So in some kind of sense, you're not stepping out of the shower and putting a leave-in conditioner on damp hair. You're putting it on on really soaking wet hair. So in some way, you're diluting the conditioner that you're leaving on the hair and avoiding over-application. And it allows your hair to not feel so weighed down. And you still get some of these leave-in conditioning benefits for a product that was meant to be leave-in conditioned. Uh, The second piece is when you do scrunch the curls, you do get some curl enhancing action. That I know you you do get. And I I know that from doing it. Not, I don't know if I'd call it squish to condition. I guess that's what I've been doing the whole time and never knew it. Uh, But you do get some wave or curl enhancing action because you're reinforcing the shape of the hair. So that I do know. But if you were to compare leave-in to rinse-off, I think they're just really two different techniques. Yeah. And I think still, as far as is there science to it, there's like a rationale to it, but I don't think there's, it's not been scientifically explored. I disagree with the rationale because the rationale is this squishing motion forces the cuticle open and helps the conditioner to penetrate deep into the hair shaft right and that doesn't that's not that's not happening that's not how right 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 (laughs) No, that's not how it works. Well, this just demonstrates that just that, that plenty of things can be logical and rational and still be wrong. <laughs> but yet they work, well, right? Yeah, of it's course. just the the way in which you you reasoned you got there is yeah, exactly. it's not working. Yeah. All right, looks like we got time for one more question. This is going to be a favorite one of yours, Perry, and I picked it because it talks about VO5 hot oil. And for those of you who have never listened to any other episode on the show. You may not know that Perry had the opportunity 
to bring the world VO5. I worked on VO5 hot oil treatments for a number of years, so I'm well-versed in the product. Although I will say I inherited the formula, so I I did my bit to improve it a little bit, but uh, the basic formula was already there. I, uh, But that's how being a cosmetic chemist for a company, that's essentially what happens. You inherit formulas, and then it's your job to tinker with them to improve them to make them less expensive or to come out with new variants of the same product so that's mainly what i did well beck is going to be very happy because we are talking to the vo5 hot oil expert here so vo5 hot oil treatment is this something perry worked on yes it is something (laughs) there is something about this product that seems to have been around for yonks at least 40 years as I'm well old that makes my hair feel great. I've scanned the ingredient list and hope that I can get the same effect from something else, but nothing comes close. Is the heating up the oil just a marketing thing or is this what makes it work? P.S. If this does get read out, I'm happy for Perry to use an AI voice as I'm from London. I really like the voice for the bloke from London about sunscreen and running the other week. (laughs) <laughs> well, since Valerie doesn't have a a, a, a British accent voice. Uh, but Mr. Cosmetic might say sometimes I have artificial intelligence. Oh. So <laughs> well, there you go. We'll see. I might I might work that one in. Uh, but to answer the question, yes, VO5 is something that I did work on, VO5 hot oil. And the other question is the heating up of the oil just a marketing thing or is it what makes the product work? It's just the marketing thing. In fact, what? <laughs> whether you heated it up or not, Are you has, sure? yeah, it has nothing to do with making it work. You did an experiment on that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's just a uh, so what makes it work is that it's uh, it's got two ingredients that, that work. First, there's uh, citronium chloride. Uh, which is a standard conditioning ingredient. Great for wet comb detangling. Actually, you know, a citronium chloride is not used. It's used, what is used is cocoa trimonium chloride. Okay. So it's essentially citronium chloride, but it's derived from coconut oil instead of palm oil. So Lorena would, might not want to use that. No, that... In our fine-haired question. Right, 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 right. In the previous question, sure. But for this, it works pretty well. And there's another one called PEI, polyethylenamine. Um, and that's a long, uh, it's a big cationic polymer. Now, the way that hot, the reason hot oil is making your hair feel so good, here's a little, here's another secret. There's no oil in hot oil. It's just, uh, they just made it, the hot oil came about because in the 1950s, salons would do these oil treatments and they would have little tubes of oil that they put in hot water and then they put it on your hair and it was an oil treatment and, you know, this was before cationic surfactants and, you know, cationic polymers and silicones and, and this kind of oil treatment could make your hair feel different. Now... When uh, the VO5 people wanted to come out with a product like this, uh, they discovered that you could use uh, modern conditioner ingredients, cationic uh, surfactants, cationic polymers, but make it look like an oil and just call it hot oil, put it in a tube, tell people to heat it up, and then you're getting the conditioning benefit of modern things with the cachet of 
you know, the traditional oil treatment. But there is no oil in VO5 hot oil. I mean, they How might... did they get away with that in California, where we're so <laughs> lawsuit happy? There was that lawsuit, but that I think that lawsuit lost. That the, there was a lawsuit suing companies for saying uh, they were, there was no oil in their oil treatments or something like that. I don't know. This one might be ripe for suing, but you know, in fact, I there we had a concept one time that our marketing people tested. It was. Oil-free hot oil treatment, <laughs> which is basically VO five. We, we yeah. anyway, it's already that, but yeah, but they did not go with that concept. So, oh, anyway, so how does this thing work? The now the the way this hot oil treatment works is that you're supposed to put it on your hair before you shampoo, right? And then what happens is that the cationic materials will stay in your hair because when you rinse it off, it it's still, a lot of it will stay on your hair. Um, and then you put the shampoo on top of it. Shampoos are anionic, and when the, which means they're, posit- uh, they're negatively charged, and the cationic stuff in the conditioner is positively charged. And when you put that shampoo on top of that uh, cationic ingredient, it actually will form a, an insoluble salt, which can plate out onto your hair, and that helps create the film, and then rinses off all the excess stuff. And so that is why you're getting that unique benefit. It's it would kind of be like if you're using a conditioner first, and then you put a shampoo on top of it. Uh, now it's a little different since hot oil doesn't have silicones, which would screw that whole thing up. But it does have cationic polymers and that uh, cationic surfactant. And so a shampoo can kind of rinse those things out and help them plate on the hair better. And that's why you're getting the, the feel that you're getting. Can you name all five VO5 ingredients? Like the, the things that make VO5 VO5? Pop quiz. Well, uh, VO5 has sometimes been considered the vital uh, oils, right? The five vital oils. And so in the original hairdressing, VO5 included uh, petrolatum, mineral oil, lanolin, uh, and then uh, another, uh, like a a wax, uh, was it microcrystalline wax? Okay. And then... uh, the fifth one escapes me for the moment. So, All right. But in the VO5 hot oil treatment, there's no oils, right? So there, what are the five like vitamins that are used? Well, that was another thing that w- we had a we had a, a material called hydratine, which was five amino acids. Okay. And I don't know, it was glycine, alanine, all the, all the water-soluble ones. It's just five five of them there. I don't know if that's what they use now. I know we use that hydratine in VO5 hot oil. Well, I'm seeing biotin, which is vitamin H. Okay. Vitamin E, tocopherol acetate. Gotcha. Vitamin B5, panthenol. Okay. Vitamin C, ascorbic acid, and vitamin B3, niacinamide. So they went with the VO5 means five essential vitamins, see? Right, that's, versus oils. That's the power of having that V there, right? <laughs> so, VO5 could mean anything we want it to. It can mean. I mean, for the shampoos, it meant five amino acids. You could make it mean five oils or five vitamins. So five anything. <laughs> 
Well, uh, I did learn something new today, so that was fun. All right. Well, that's good, and uh, I hope you. Uh, well, I hear the I hear the music there. The music means I have to go to bed. I'm off-site this week at a factory, and uh, I have a little jet lag. So you know, I forgot I to tell you, there is one thing that I learned in Portugal, which I think is very important for anybody traveling to Portugal. Okay. Do I know what that is? What? what yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. When you get into a cab or when you, when you get a service from anybody in Portugal, don't say gracias. <laughs> The correct answer is obrigado. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, that's what you did. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, you come from Spain and you're like, oh, hey, gracias. And I, no, this is Portugal. We say obrigado or thank you. We don't say gracias. <laughs> oh my gosh! So just well, a little the music tip is for, <laughs> for all you travelers. Pro tip. Oh my gosh! <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Hey, if you get a chance, can you go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review? That will help other people find the show and ensure we have a full docket of beauty questions to answer. And if you have a question, please record it on your smartphone. We love to hear your voice, especially the British accents or Australian accents or really any accent. But record it on the smartphone. Email it to thebeautybrains at gmail.com. Hey, the Beauty Brains are also on Patreon. If you like the fact that we have no commercials and you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe at any level. And the benefit that patrons do get that everyone else doesn't get is a transcript of every show. Also, don't forget to follow us on our various social media accounts. Summer break is over, so we're going to be more active this fall, including with our weekly episodes. On Instagram, we're at TheBeautyBrains2018. On Twitter, we're at TheBeautyBrains. We have a Facebook page and a TikTok. Is Twitter still called, is it called X now or something? <laughs> oh, shoot, yeah. That's Are okay. we supposed to call it X or no, something I, else? No, I'm, I'm going to call it Twitter forever. I mean, what? Were you, are you Xing, you know, instead of tweeting? It, it makes oh no sense gosh. to me. Oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. Well, anyway, thanks again for listening, everyone. And remember, be brainy about your beauty. Thanks, everyone. Kittens. <laughs>